Amen, amen. Thank you for that. Page, uh, Revelation chapter number three. Revelation chapter number three. I almost called out the page number, didn't I? Revelation chapter number three. Uh, let me just mention we're excited about the uh, getting this discipleship ministry underway. And this isn't the last time we're going to do this. In fact, we're going to continue doing this. I have no problem just cycling folks right on in. If you're here tonight, you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you'd see one of us after the service, we'd explain it to you. But we're doing one-on-one discipleship right over in the other building. We've got, uh, I don't know, 25 or 30 over there right now being discipled one-on-one. And a couple of couples with another couple. And we're just going through some discipleship stuff. And if you're interested in that, let me know, and we'll see if we can't get you partnered up with someone and uh, give you a chance to do that. There's 12 lessons, so everyone's going to go through 12 lessons, and then they'll get their certificate, and they can graduate back into here on Wednesday nights. But we're thrilled at uh, the response so far, and uh, we cover your prayers as we continue working on the lessons, getting the new discipleship book uh, completed here, hopefully in just a few short weeks. Revelation 3, are you there? Stand with me, please, as we read two verses, and uh, we'll just jump right into this thought that we have tonight. Revelation 3, verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on these verses and a couple of others on this thought, an open door, an open door. Father, help us tonight as we open the scriptures. I pray that you would help us to be able to convey to your people, Lord, the thought that's been on my heart for a couple of days, and I pray that we'd glean something that would help us along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Uh, the, the, the message tonight is, is, is more of a thought, I guess, that just kind of been percolating in my mind. Uh, as a Christian, as a pastor, uh, I'm always uh, praying for open doors, looking for open doors. Uh, it's a part of my life. It's a part of my everyday prayer routine. But I felt like tonight maybe I needed to just expound on it a little bit so that uh, those of you that are maybe not familiar with it and all that it involves or can involve could be praying for an open door as well. Uh, just to jump right into the introduction tonight, there's uh, seven churches that he's addressing uh, in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter number 3. The church uh, at Philadelphia was a, was a good church. It was a, uh, an encouraging church when you read about it. He has a lot of good things to say about the church of Philadelphia as opposed to Laodicea. Uh, but in the first part of his uh, message uh, or the address uh, to the angel of the church at Philadelphia, uh, in verse 7 and verse number 8, he refers to uh, an open door. And so I wanted to just three things quickly by way of introduction, and I'm going to give you three simple points, okay? It's not a deep message, but hopefully it will help you, and hopefully it will spark in your heart and your mind an interest and a desire for God to open doors in your life to be able to influence and impact others. By way of introduction, I want to notice in verse number seven, the person behind the open door. He said, 
in verse number seven. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. We see the person behind the open door is none other than uh, the Lord Jesus Christ or God is the one behind the open door. Now it's important that you understand when we talk about an open door, the difference between God opening a door and you and I opening a door. It's important we understand that. If we're not careful in our lives sometimes, we'll try to do the work of God and try to open a door, and that's not the same as God opening a door. And we see in these verses that it's the Lord that is opening the door. He said in verse number eight, I have set before thee an open door. God's the one that opened that door. God's the one that created this avenue, this, this ministry opportunity. He's the one that created uh, this expansion, if you will, of possible work. And so it's, it's important that you and I learn the difference between God opening the door and us opening the door. I know some people get something in their mind, they get something in their head. Oh, Lord's opened up a door. God didn't open a the door. They got the sledgehammer out. They got the sledgehammer out. They opened that door. They drop kicked that door. God didn't open that door. And I'm telling you, when you open a door and then say God opened it, you're opening yourself up to a whole lot of trouble, a lot of problems. One of the biggest disappointments and one of the biggest frustrations as a pastor is for somebody to sit in my office and say, this is what I feel like God's opened the door. And I'm going, God, God wouldn't open that door. God wouldn't go there. God wouldn't do that. And so it's important that you understand tonight right on the outset here that we're talking about God opening the door and, and making it possible uh, to, to do something that you didn't, you've never done before or, or, or influence people you've never influenced before. We'll get into some of the particulars here in just a minute, but I really want to see the person behind the open door in verse number seven. Number two, see the promise behind the open door. The promise behind the open door is that no man can shut it. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. All right? And there's some people that would may confuse that, get a little bit top-heavy on the sovereignty of God with this verse. But we know that when you're walking in the Spirit and you're following the leadership of God, God opens and shuts doors. And if you'll just follow His voice and be sensitive, He'll lead you. And there's been times I thought God was opening the door, and I went to go through it, and it wasn't open. There have been times I, 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 I tried to do something. I tried to make a decision only to realize that God in his goodness and God in his love and mercy made it abundantly clear to me this is not of God. This is not of God. I, I, thought, I thought God might be, have been in it at the beginning, but because I listened to him and I followed his voice and then God would shut that door. And again, you've got to be sensitive to know the difference between God opening and shutting the door and man opening and shutting the door. In fact, I've struggled all day trying to figure out how to communicate that because I've seen people try to shut a door that God opened. But if God opens a door, he intends for us to walk through it. If he shuts a door, he intends for us to accept that. And I mean, that could cover a whole wide variety of things, but be careful uh, that, you, that you understand God opened and shut doors and understand that the promise, it's a supernatural promise. Verse number seven, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth, and no man openeth. Again in verse number eight, because I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Meaning when, God, when God's in it, man, man's not gonna be able 
to, to change God's mind. And it's, it's important that you and I be sensitive and pray. And this, I, can't, I, can't under, I can't underemphasize, overemphasize the importance of being, of being full of prayer and sensitive to the voice of God. I, I, I'm not going to turn over, uh, but I could turn over to a place over in the book of Acts where the apostle Paul said, we assayed to go into one place and the Spirit forbade us. Now what the Apostle Paul was attempting to do was following the Great Commission. In the grand scheme of things, he wasn't out of the will of God in what he was trying to do. Maybe somebody mentioned a particular city. Maybe he was talking to somebody at a port city or on a ship and they said something about being from a specific place and in his mind he thinks, well, maybe that's where we ought to go next and preach and witness. And, and as they attempted to go in that direction, God shut them down and pointed them in another direction. By the way, let me, let me just add this in here while I'm at it. A lot of times people get frustrated when God says no. Sometimes God might say no because he's got a greater yes somewhere else. And if you'll just follow God and the leadership of God and let him, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And his word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. And we say, man, uh, maybe you ought to try this. Maybe you ought to do this. And then when God puts a barricade up, there's your answer. Just, just walk away and, 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 and ask for direction someplace else. But when God opens that door, I'm thankful for that promise that no man can shut it. And trust me, people will try. We'll get to that again in just a moment. We see the person behind the open door in verse number seven and eight. We see the promise behind the open door, but then we see the people of the open door. Look at what he says in verse number eight. I know thy works. He's talking to the church of Philadelphia. I know thy works. And because I know your works, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Watch this. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and has not denied my name. God said, that's the reason I'm putting in front of you an open door. We're back to the stewardship issue. This is an issue that I bring up a lot. It's something that God has really helped me understand. I was talking about it in a staff meeting earlier this week. That, that stewardship, uh, when I was a younger Christian and even when I was in my earlier years of ministry, I didn't understand the magnitude of stewardship, but I'm convinced now more than ever that every decision that we make every day of our life boils down to a stewardship issue. What are we doing with our time and our energy and our talents? What are we doing with our money? What are we doing with what God has given us? And uh, one of the things I brought out in the stewardship book, by the way, it's in the bookstore. If you hadn't got it, there's, all, there's, uh, uh, there's a book called Much is Given, and it's taken from five messages I preached on stewardship. And that, that CD set is back there too for five bucks. You listen to all five messages. All right, and I, I break it down and explain stewardship. But this, when I read verse number eight, this open door is a stewardship issue. God said, because you've done this, now I'm going to now open the door. Because you've got a little strength. And I, I, I thought about that for a long time today. Uh, for thou hast a little strength. When we think about that, we think about that as a negative. And I suppose uh, if we're looking at it humanly uh, speaking, that it is. Uh, we, we, we want to have a lot of strength. We don't like it when we have to tap out. When somebody's stronger than us. But you know what I thought about? He said, you've got a little strength. Meaning... You've got enough, but you don't have too much to where you don't need me. That's how I looked at that. You've got a little strength, but you're still going to need me. Not only to say I'm giving you this open door because you've got a little strength, but you've kept my word. 
He, he, he refers to that again in verse 10. Look at verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I'll keep thee from the hour of temptation. So he says, I'm going to give you this open door. I've decided to do this. I know your works. I'm giving you an open door. I'm putting an open door in front of you because you've got a little strength, because you've kept my word and you have not denied my name. Because of that, I'm going to give you an open door. Boy, I thought about verse number eight all afternoon. I said, Lord, if I could meet up to the criteria at the bottom end of verse number eight, if I could just somehow or another be not weary and well-doing, have a little strength, keep, keep a little bit of wind in my sail, not, not so much I don't need God, but just enough to be able to stay busy and, keep, and stay focused and then not, not, to, not deny his name and keep his word, maybe God would open some doors in my ministry and in my life. I believe that's the people of the open door. And let me say this, it is a stewardship issue. If God knows he can trust you with an open door, he'll give you one. I, was, I, was, I had so many illustrations that came through my mind as I was working on this outline about, because I pray every day, Lord, open doors. Give us open doors. We had staff meeting this morning talking about how to, how to, how to find open doors. We, I mean, we spent probably in 45 minutes to an hour this morning talking about running uh, uh, half-page newspaper ads in the Dundalk Eagle and other newspapers and making a short three-minute video and boosting it on Facebook so we can get in people's homes. Man, this COVID's crippled us on door-to-door -door soul winning, but we're trying to get around that, and we're just asking God, let us get in people's uh, houses and help us be able to get the gospel and maybe uh, like you say something. I mean, we're sitting there troubleshooting this morning for 45 minutes talk, talking about open doors. But it's a stewardship issue. That's what I believe. And I believe God will open a door for people that he knows he can trust with that open door. And it's amazing that when you, when you, when you walk through those open, when you, when, you, when, you, when you value and appreciate that open door, no matter how small or how big it is, it's amazing what God will do, open up more doors. Which gets me, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting to my outline here in just a second. But I thought, I thought about, crazy example, crazy example. Back in, back in May, remember when we talked about cease and desist letter? And I got an email from Fox News saying we want to have an exclusive interview at 10 o'clock tonight on Laura Ingram's show. I was like, what in the world? How, what in the world? I mean, it was just, it was so fast. And I remember they said it'd be three to four minutes. Well, three to four minutes doesn't sound, to a preacher, don't sound like a long time. Come on now. Three to five minutes? Man, I can't hardly read my text in three minutes. Listen, you're going to have three to four minutes. And I spent the whole afternoon just praying, saying, God, tell me, you're going to have to tell me what to say. I don't want to squander. I don't want to blow this opportunity. And I mean, I'll never forget it. I sit right over here in this aisle, and I had my camera up on a tripod. And for those of you that's never done that before, it's not what you think it is. I had a black screen on my phone. She could see me, but I couldn't see anything. I had a black screen. I'm just looking at the back of my phone. I can hear her, but that's it. And we're having a conversation. I'm pretending I can see her, and I couldn't see her. And I'm sitting in that chair and knowing that there's about 4.2, 4.3 million people watching that program. Now, I'm, I ain't going to lie to you. For a little old country boy from South Georgia, lived in a single wide trailer, to have four minutes with three, four million people, that's an open door. That's an open door. 
And I, 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 was, I was like, God, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to blow this. And I want, I want to take advantage of this opportunity that you have given us. And we've got people in the service right now from that. From that. Y'all came from that, didn't you? Join the church? We got, we got, we're still getting cards. We're still getting cards in the mail. We're still getting checks in the mail from complete random strangers. Thank you for taking a stand. Here's a check for $1,200, $1,500, a check for $200, $10, $500. It's unbelievable at the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that came in. It's amazing at the ripple effect. I'm talking about this stewardship issue. I got a man coming next week, Tuesday. We're going to sit in my office for probably an hour and a half. He's interviewing me for a movie that he's making. And he emailed me. He said, I, I'm making this movie, this documentary about the Great Reset. He said, I've interviewed so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and it would not be complete without interviewing Pastor Stacey Schiff. Like, Can I do an interview with you? And he sent me a long list of email questions, and I'm going to be interviewed for this documentary or whatever, and I mean the ripple effect. I, I, was, I was on a podcast last week uh, for, for an hour and a half. I was supposed to be on there for 30 minutes. We went an hour and a half with a conservative journal podcast just talking about the Bible and talking about the state of the church and talking about revival and talking about America. Man, we were just having a blast. I mean, it was amazing that that one door and then another door and then another door and another door and it all trickles down from that door. And all I can tell you is this, it's a stewardship issue. If God gives you an open door, if he entrusts into your care an open door and you, and you, and you are stewarding that open door, it creates more opportunities for more open doors. Now, you may be one of those people sitting here tonight saying, Preacher, the thought of God opening a door in front of me and me not knowing what's on the other side, that scares the daylights out of me. Well, that's exciting to me. I love it. He's never failed me yet. You think he's going to open up a door and say, here you go, and it's a junk room? A landfill? What do you think he's going to do? When he opens up a door, that's, that's amazing, supernatural. And I think there's a lot of people that don't realize how important it is for God to open doors in their life. And so I want to give you three simple points tonight. I'm running out of time. Write this down. Number one, we see the opportunities of an open door. The opportunities of an open door. I mean, I just alluded to that, but when, when God opens a door, you don't know what's on the other side of it. And you don't know who is on the other side of it. In Acts chapter number 14... In verse number 27, Apostle Paul came back from his missionary journey. Watch what he says. And when they were coming to gather the church together, I'm in Acts 14, 27, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. They rejoiced. They sat around as a church rejoicing that God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles because the early church didn't realize the seriousness of, of world evangelism. They still had that, that Jewish mentality. And then if you get over to Acts chapter number 10, I believe it is, where Peter went up on the roof to pray and he had that vision of that sheep coming down. Come on now. Had that vision, that sheep coming down with all manner of animals and, 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 and the voice saying, arise and eat. That's my favorite verse in the whole Bible, by the way. Arise and eat. Especially when it's meat. Amen. You vegetarians don't know what you're going to do with that verse. He lowered a sheep down from heaven and it wasn't full of lettuce and cabbage and carrots. 
it had all manner of animals in it. Come on now. And so he said, arise and eat. And Peter said, I can't. It's unclean. God said, you can't call unclean what I've called clean. What was he saying? I've opened the door and you can't shut it. I'm opening the door. And that sheet went up to heaven and came back down and Peter's, he, he's in a trance. He's like, what in the world? And all of a sudden they, they, they say, Peter, there's some guys down here at the gate who want to talk to you. Come to find out that, that, that there, was a, there was a Roman, Italian, a centurion named, uh, named Cornelius that was wanting to know more about God. Peter grabbed some guys and went to his house and started talking to him about the Lord. Next thing you know, Cornelius and the whole crowd get saved. What happened? God opened the door. Peter didn't know when he walked through that door where it was going to lead. By the time you get to Acts chapter number 14, they're getting saved all over the place. And Paul comes back and says, man, we're rejoicing. God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Peter didn't know when God opened that door what was on the other side. He didn't know who was on the other side. Is everybody still with me? Imagine if Peter said, I ain't doing that. I'm not going to witness to a bunch of Italians. I'm not going to witness to a bunch of Gentiles. I'm not, I'm not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection with a bunch of pagans. Imagine if Peter had said that. See, the opportunities, the opportunities of an open door. They were rejoicing in the host of Gentiles that they found on the other side of that door. I was just thinking about when we went to Africa, it is impossible for a missionary when they go to a country to anticipate the ripple effect of their obedience. It's impossible. You just go and you get there and you just dig in and you start and you don't know what you're doing most of the time, but you're like, Lord, I'm here because you sent me. How many years ago, Brother Bittner, did you go to the Baltimore Rescue Mission? How many years ago? 33 years ago, he's told me his story, a supernatural, unquestionable. I'm talking about checked off everything on their list they had. They had a list. Had a list. This is, if it's God's will, this and this and this and this and this will happen. And guess what? This and this and this and this and this happened, and there was no way they could question it. God was opening the door. They moved over there and started that work, at the, took over that Baltimore rescue mission and would have never in their wildest dreams been able to anticipate the lives and the, and the, and the ripple effect of walking through that open door. The open door in a child of, a child of God's life represents this, this supernatural, unbelievable, undescribable just this ripple effect of opportunities that you can't begin to imagine. All you see is a door open. That's all you see. You don't see what's on the other side. I, sometimes I go back and look at our pictures from South Africa. I got a whole folder full of them. And I would go back and relive some of those memories. And I would just, I mean, every day, Lord, open the door. And God opened doors. And I said, Lord, if you'll open the door, I'll go through it. Well, I found myself in some crazy places. I found myself in places the police wouldn't go. I found myself in villages that wasn't hardly on the map. And I'd find myself walking up and down dirt streets and mud huts and handing out John Romans and New Testaments to people that had never held in their hand a copy of the Word of God. Just go home that day just saying, thank you, God, you opened the door. And, that, and, and then God opened another door and another door and another door and another door. And for five and a half years, we were there just walking through doors. 
I'm talking about the open doors, the opportunities that they represent. And, and I want to bring this out. I want to bring this out. Paul said in uh, Colossians 4, verse number 3, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. You know what I have found out in just about every single verse in the Bible that talks about an open door? It is a personal open door. He'll open a door for you that he will not open for somebody else. Now there are many doors that God will open for us as a church and we get to go through it together. Like taking on a missionary. God will open a door. We get to take on a missionary and that's a group effort. We get to do a lot of things as a group effort. But I'm talking about Apostle Paul said, I want you to pray for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in bonds. Paul says, I'm in a jail cell. You're not here. I'm here. Would you do me a favor? Would you pray that God would open up a door of utterance here where I am so that while I'm here, closed in, hemmed in, that God would open doors. Only God can open a door in a jail cell. Word of God's not bound, amen. Paul said, I'm bound, the word of God's not bound. God can open doors when you're surrounded by padlocks and bars. And I'm going to tell you something. When God opens a door in your life, can't nobody else go through that door but you. You don't get to look around. You don't get to look around saying, you can go first. I know we got some door holders in the church. You want to hold the door for everybody else. Uh-uh. you got to walk through that door. That's a door God's opening for you. I can't walk through your open door. i got to walk through my open door. you got to walk through yours. It was a door of opportunities of an open door. Boy, I wish I had time to expound that, but I might, I might run out of time. See the opportunities. Secondly, we see the oppositions of an open door. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. This is what Paul said. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. <laughs> we like the first part of that verse, don't we? Great door and effectual is open unto me. Woo, this is going to be great. Paul said, and there's going to be many adversaries. I think it's interesting that the door is singular and the adversaries are plural. For every open door, there's going to be multiple adversaries, which scares most people off. They're like, you know what? I know there's probably a lot of blessings. There's probably a, a lot of really amazing things on the other side of that door, but I just don't want to deal with all the fallout right now. Trust me when I tell you it's worth it. Imagine if the Apostle Paul hadn't been willing to go to jail. We wouldn't have a lot of good Bible verses, good Bible books in our scripture. Imagine if he hadn't been willing to deal with the adversity that goes with the open door. By the way, anything worthwhile is always going to be a, a, an uphill climb. That's why you got to have a little strength. <laughs> Come on now. Paul was in bonds. By the way, he, we, just, we just quoted Colossians 4.3. I love this verse. I love this verse. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. I want you all to pray. Pray that God will open a door for me to preach. By the way, I'm in prison because I was preaching. I'm here for preaching. Would you pray for God to open some more doors? I'm already in jail. 
What are they going to do? Extend my sentence? He's praying for God to open a door in jail, and he's in jail for going through the open doors. Are y'all getting this? You got to love this. Apostle Paul says, I don't mind adversity. I don't mind bonds. I don't mind people trying to kill me as long as God keeps opening doors and gives me the boldness and the courage to go through them. That's wonderful. Let's do it. We see the oppositions of an open door. By the way, there will be oppositions, but God said he had, if he opened it, no man could shut it. There's going to be mobs of people trying to shut the door. It ain't going to work out for them. Lastly, let me give you the last point. Opportunities, the oppositions. Thirdly, the options of an open door. The Bible's clear when God opens a door, no man can shut it. But you can refuse to walk through it. God can open a door right in front of you. And there's no question in your mind, God's wanting to do something right here. And you can be willing, unwilling, to pay the price to walk through that door. And, and let me tell you something. When we talk about an open door, it could be everything from somebody to speak to in town, talk to. I had something happen to me last week. It's never happened to me in my whole life. I had one of those Barna Pew Research people call me for a survey. I have never been surveyed in my life. And all my life I've read about these surveys. And I thought, who are they talking to? Because they hadn't talked to me. Well, they called me. Asked me all kind of questions. Personal questions. Yeah. And I, we probably talked 20 minutes. We talked so long, he said, if you want us to, we'll send you $5 for your phone bill. I said, I don't worry about it. I've enjoyed talking to you. He said, well, thank you for your time. I said, before you hang up, let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? <laughs> time for me to take a survey. I would ask, answer enough of your questions. You need to answer some of mine. Do you know the Lord? I said, do you know the Lord? He said, I know the Lord. Thank you so much for asking. I know the Lord. I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, I just felt like I needed to ask you that. He said, I appreciate you asking. He said, yes, I'm saved. I know the Lord. I said, well, you have a good evening. I said, thanks for calling. <laughs> he hung the phone up. What was that? Little bitty tiny open door. Little open door. Anytime you're in town and, and the Holy Spirit says, give them a track. Give them a gospel track. Oh, I don't want, that's embarrassing. I don't, I don't, I don't. You know what you're doing? You're standing in front of an open door, him and the Holland is what you're doing. Go and walk through it. You never know what God might do. They might get saved. Or they might be saved. They just need some encouragement. What's well, a blessing sometimes? You go to give somebody a track and your heart's beating. You're thinking, man, this they're going to be embarrassed, and I'm going to be embarrassed, and you go to give them a track, and I give you a gospel track, and they look at you and say, you know what, I've been passing out tracks for 20 years. You're the first person to ever hand me one. <laughs> and then you're so glad you hand them a track. Come on now. All kinds of ways God opens doors. We could spend hours just talking about open doors, but I believe the Holy Spirit's good enough to do that. Sometimes it could be something as little as doing cooking a meal for somebody. It could be something as big as going to the mission field. And God opens a door, and you say, I, I've got to make a decision here. Am I going through that door? 
Brother Payne sitting on that front porch. He knows what I'm thinking right now. Because I preached out of Mark chapter number one in South Carolina on a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night, I had somebody booked to preach our revival and they, and they got sick and couldn't come. I called another preacher and his wife was sick and he couldn't come. And I called another preacher and he said, I can preach Monday night and Tuesday night, but I can't preach Wednesday night. I said, that's fine, I'll preach Wednesday night of my own revival. And I did. I preached out of Mark chapter number one about him standing at that door. All the city gathered together at the door. And I looked at Pleasant View Baptist Church and I said, I don't know about y'all, but I'm telling you right now, if God opens the door in front of me, I'm walking through it. That was on Wednesday. Saturday morning, I got a phone call. Could I put your name in at Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland? They're going to be looking for a pastor. Four days later, God opened the door. I'm not just up here flapping my gums tonight. I'm telling you, I'm here because I walked through a door. God opened the door and I walked through it. And trust me, there was a whole bunch of people standing behind that door trying to keep me to go through it, keep me from going through it. I said, I know it's God. I know God's opening this door. Why, why, would, God, why would God move an old Georgia boy from South Carolina living in a log cabin on four acres with horses to Dundalk, Maryland, 46th Street. My yard was about that big. <laughs> Why? Why? I used to shoot my gun in my back. I used to sight my deer rifle in in my backyard. I guarantee you if I sighted my deer rifle in in my backyard now, I'd shoot 47 people. What happened? I prayed and said, God, if you open the door, I'm going to go through it. And I'm not going to wonder about what's on the other side. I'm just going to walk through it. God opened up a door. And I came up here six and a half years ago, and he's still opening doors. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you walked through an open door? When's the last time God opened a door in front of you, and God said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get involved in this ministry. I want you to witness to this person. I want you to step by faith, out by faith and do this. And you said, yes, Lord, and you walked through the door. Hey, because if he opens it, no man can shut it. You can't shut that door, but you can refuse to walk through it. And you have no idea how bad you're shortchanging yourself when you do. I wonder tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, what's your, what's your attitude about God opening the door? Maybe God's wanting to push you out of your comfort zone. He might, he, might want you to, he might want you to disciple somebody. He might want you to win somebody to Christ and then disciple them. He might want you to disciple your, somebody you led to Christ. He might want you to learn to play an instrument. He might want you to teach a class. He might want you to get involved in bus ministry. He might want to get you, he might want to open up all kinds of doors. Do you have a little strength? Have you kept his word? Have you been careful and faithful not to deny his name? Guess what? God might, might trust you with an open door. What are you going to do with it? The greatest open door you could ever walk through is the door of salvation. There may be somebody here tonight, you've never been born again, never been saved by the grace of God. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood so that you wouldn't have to die and go to hell.
If you'll turn to him tonight in faith as a little child believing and trusting, by faith receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins and call out to him this evening. He'll save you. You want to talk about a walking through a door that forevermore change your life. It won't just change your life. It'll change your eternal destiny. I wonder if there'll be somebody here tonight on a Wednesday night say, Preacher, I'm not 100% sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I hope I would. I think I would. But I can't say with confidence that I know I'm saved. And I'd appreciate it if you would pray for me. Would you be obedient to God? And would you be mindful enough tonight about your, your soul to just quietly slip your hand up so I could see it, so I could say, Preacher, pray for me. Anybody? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? We would love to take a Bible tonight and help you. It would be our greatest honor. We wouldn't do anything in this world to embarrass you. We just want to help you. Getting that settled is the most wonderful decision that you could ever make.